podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being creative so that you can more easily tell your own damn story. Hello, Alex Simmons. Hey, 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 hey. Chris Ryan, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? All right, this is Alex We're Simmons here. and I we am made it back. Chris Ryan. How are you? Yes, it's Christopher we are back, Ryan. Uh, in our rebooted, reconstituted, renewed, re-energized Tell the damn story. Want to again let you know our format is streamlined and much more. Uh, I think fun uh, from what we're getting from responses. So fine. Yeah. People are liking it. So they be liking it. Three parts, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk about the challenges, creative challenges we had for the week, and there's going to be one from Alex, one from me, and then we're going to offer you one, and we want you to do it, and then tell about it, tell us about it in the comments, and one person. From those responses, we'll get an autographed copy, uh, autographed by Alex and me, an autographed copy of one of our Blackjack Rapid Read Adventures. Ah, yeah. 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 All right, ladies and gentlemen, then there will be part two where we talk about Check It Out, something that inspired us that we want to offer you. Hey, you know about this? You should check it out. Lastly, we're going to go for the legendary, very, very, very popular Alex Simmons time machine where Alex will dip deep into his long memory and find something from way back before we even knew things existed and tell us about it because you know the more we can check out the more we'll be able to uh, uh, write our own stuff uh, with a, a, a greater grander palette uh, palette isn't that right sir a greater grander palette yes Try that's, that's that where we're all back. looking for all right so uh hey alex hey 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 uh what stood out as a creative challenge for you this week creative challenge numero uno for me this week was how do you write stories based on my or your personal experiences and not give away too much personal information mm. yeah uh, I've had from, a number. I mean, reality my, to fiction is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Well, you, you, I mean, if you're if you're doing some sort of nonfiction piece, um, like a memoir. biography or something about a person or about yourself, then obviously you are going to delve into their personal lives and you're going to use their actual names, possibly right. the names of their associates, family members, and that sort of thing. But in terms of fiction, sometimes we're inspired by real life incidents or real moments in our own lives. And we want to bring that to the story or tell a story specifically about that. But at the same time, it's like, do I really want the whole world to know everything? You know, it gets it gets deep. So yeah, um, not all of us are Prince Harry. <laughs> well, however that works. So um, we have a couple of ways of dealing with this. I mean, one thematic, you know, if, for instance, you had a, a family member pass away. And you want to do a piece about what it's like to deal with that. Then that theme is very poignant. It's very universal. I mean, many of us, fortunate, unfortunate, it's life, have dealt with the loss of someone, a loved one in particular, or a dear friend or someone like that. And so you can speak about the experience and how you've dealt with it or in, through a, fictitional, a fictitious character and only really delve into the theme. 
what it's like to deal with the loss of someone close to you. Uh, also, what's the goal of the story? You know, if your theme is, like I say, maybe personal loss, again, there are ways of dealing with that in a universal way, pulling on your own experiences, but not necessarily talking about you. Right. Uh, if your goal in the story is to help others learn to deal with, again, the same theme, personal loss, a great loss like that, well, then again, you're going to focus on how your character dealt with it, which means, yes, you'll pull from your experience. You may have other people in your life that you can pull in their experiences. And again, you're going to change names. You're, you're not going to call them who they really are. You're not necessarily going to use all of their traits and habits and personal you know, quirks in the story. You're not going to necessarily do that because in a way, the story is not about that person. It's not to reveal that person or those people to the world. It's about the theme or the goal of the story, which is to help others deal with personal loss. <clears throat> so another thing, sort of piggybacking on that, is if you're designing a, a fictional character and you're basing what this character is about to go through on certain personal experiences of your own or someone you know near to you, then that character does still does not have to be exactly like the individual that inspired the incident or the, the habit or the behavior. Uh, again, it can be someone who has a few similar traits, but otherwise this is a whole new person. This person it can have a different name, a different uh, cultural or ethnic background, can live with, you know, in a different uh, status of life. Maybe if, if the real life person is struggling financially, Maybe this person can be a little bit more successful or be more blue collar or whatever. So there are things that you can change in designing the character, the fictitious character, that will immediately take away the, the assumption, oh, this must be you. This must be this person. That maybe it's like your wife. Oh, I recognize that's your wife. Right. They won't if you change enough aspects of the character as you're designing it. And then the other elements are, you know, you can change location, you can change the era that the story takes place in, uh, and certain other elements involving um, the, maybe the incident itself. If some, again, taking the theme of the loss of a loved one, maybe the person died in an, in an accident, uh, a car accident or something like that, maybe you can have the person in your story pass away due to some terrible disease or due to um, a, a crime. I mean, again, nothing's to say any of this makes it easy, but you can change enough elements in the story or enough elements about the character that it does not become obvious we are watching something that happened to you or to someone close to you. So I think that's one way of avoiding giving away too much personal. But then the other thing I would say is in terms of serving the story, you can go as deep as you want in terms of pulling from your own experiences and then as you do rewrites, pull back if it's too sensitive, if it's too close, if it's too revealing. You'll be able to pull back on that uh, so that it maybe you'll be more comfortable with it. Cool. That's good stuff. Well, thank you. I try. <laughs> so, Chris, uh, how about you? Uh, what well, is your challenge of the week? Well, it's a lot of us have the same challenge. And that's uh, self-care, you know, mm. um, especially when we're doing some things that we're really excited about or, um, you know, you get that groove and all of a sudden 
you've been productive for a very long time. Um, you mean like, like working until like two o'clock in the morning or three yeah, o'clock in the morning? Whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. But then you stand up and you feel like, oh, my legs are this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sitting forever is uh, uh, equals death. To quote uh, Brian Keane, talked about that recently. Um, you got to move. You got to move around and you have to take care of yourself. And there are ways to do that and still be productive. So I wanted to go over a few of those. Okay. Um, Sometimes it's just about going for a walk, right? Some people, they hit the gym and that's their habit. Other people, you know, they're, they're running marathons, but they have that taken care of. We're talking about the people you know, uh, like you and I, who may not schedule self-care as much mm. as uh, uh, younger younger people do. It's much more prevalent in their uh, their habits, right? So, okay, then start with just a walk. All right, I'm going to walk around the block. All right, a week from then, all right, I'm going to walk down to this store and back, or whatever it is. You build it a little longer, but you may take the uh, the one thing you want to accomplish today with you, right? And all right, you're going to think about that on the walk. Or one of the things I do is um, if I have a story problem, I'll ask myself the question about the story problem and then put on a podcast as I begin walking or a playlist. I'll talk about a playlist in a minute. And you just let the question be in the back of the mind and as you're getting closer to your home, you maybe you turn off what you're listening to. And then you ask yourself the question again. And your mind very often has worked out options or ideas mm-hmm. for you and all that stuff. Also, if you start listening to the podcast, your brain will say, no, 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 I want, I want. I'm, and then you're not really listening to the podcast. You can always rewrite it because your mind is working on the product. You tricked yourself and you tricked it into it. Yes. The uh, thing I do is I create playlists that uh, the, the music is tied to whatever I'm writing about, mm. you know, um, if it's a little, if the theme is a little darker, the music might be a little darker. If the characters are younger than me, the music might be younger than me. You know, if, uh, uh, if it's set in the sixties, well, the music's going to be in the sixties and so on. And it just plays in the background in your head, well, you know, and, and in your ears <laughs> while you're going for your walk or, mowing the lawn or doing the shopping or whatever mm-hmm. uh, and thinking about your story, you know? So that's a, a one way to take care of it. Um, I am right now standing as we're recording this. I have employed a standing desk rather than sitting all the time, a little more healthy for you. Uh, and then lastly, um, find a day where you're going to do something that you know needs to be done you want it to be done, but you feel like, ah, oh, my work, my this, my that. For me, it's Friday. Every Friday, everyone is out of the house at the same time, except for me. <laughs> and uh, I tell the rest of the staff here at Seamus Noon, too, both cats, the dog, go do something else. And I clean the house. I get into the toilets. I mop the floors. I vacuum the rugs. I dust everything. And there'll be that playlist will be playing or whatever. But what I'm really doing is I'm thinking about the week. What did I accomplish? 
what was good, give yourself the pat of the back and wh- where do we build on from here? Mm-hmm. You know, so, and I also on, on this smartphone, I hit, and there's an exercise thing for it. And there's one called functional exercise or functional activities. I hit that. So it counts as exercise. That's one win. I'm working on reviewing the week. That's the second one. I'm getting a house cleaner. That's a third win. And you kind of end up the week with having a meeting with yourself about what you've accomplished. And then this, you know, as you get to the other rooms, it's all right. And that's great. What do I want to think about for next week? And you mm. feel like you've really kind of put a button on that and move forward. You're accomplishing three things at once. It really helps with the self-care. So there's a few that, ideas really on how great. to kind of, you know, you got to take care of yourself. You got to, you got to put that part of your life into perspective to get the writing, you know? If and, you feel and like I would, mud, your writing's not going to be good. I would piggyback and simply say, too, that, again, for people, as you pointed out earlier, people in our age bracket, um, yeah, we do need to move around a lot more because of that. And you were saying younger people tend to have more activities in their life organically. It's been but, programmed but will, for them more than for us. I will also say that for those who uh, have become, shall we say, uh, a little bit more attached to their to their phones, to their handhelds, mm-hmm. And are not getting that kind of activity again, as as Chris is saying, going for walks, uh, running, you know, uh, uh, j- anything that allows you to get to step away from the machine yeah. for a moment, you know, and, uh, and and be the animal that we are. Yeah. You know? <laughs> now, I will tell you, uh, I'll tell you this, a, a young person in my community, uh, she's a professional. She works her job, um, but she does a little self-care. She takes her dog for a walk. Uh, she's got the leash tied or, or, or connected to her waist. Is one of those young people's got a waist about you know? Yeah, about an inch and a half. About an inch there, right? <laughs> and she's walking with a dog like that. Dog's tiny little you know lap dog, and uh, the phone is in front of her in her hand for the entire walk. It's amazing. It is amazing. It's just, you know, I'm not judging. It's just thorough. Sign of the times. Yeah. Other yep. side of the coin. I got a guy in his 90s. He runs. It looks like slow motion. But he runs every day. I don't know. Hours. And he does it. And when I first saw him. It always looked like the last three steps before he was going to keel over. And now it the pace is significantly improved up to really slow motion. But he's gone and then he'll come back again, come around mm-hmm. again, come around again. And we'll do three or four things and we see him pass our window again. So it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter how fast. You don't have to look like an Olympic person. Just move or, or look good. Carry yourself. Right. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, what was so, the What was the author that we talked about on a couple of shows who will work out the whole book during her jogs? Oh, that's uh, that's Joyce Carol Oates, famously yeah. watches her whatever her up work in progress is. She watches it visually in her as head, she's jogging yeah. until. She can go running 
and watch it from beginning to end without any skips or bumps or uh, insecurity as to what's happening in that moment. And only then does she write, God bless her. Yeah. You know, whatever works, whatever <laughs> yep, works. Exactly. But, whatever but works. I tell you what, she's she's got her self-care taken care of. So, yeah, she sure does. She sure does. All right. So that was Alex. That was uh, me. And now we're going to go to you, ladies and gents. We have um, a uh, creative challenge for you. And uh, well, I tied it to self-care uh, for you this week. So. What we want you to do is ask yourself, what are you not currently doing to keep yourself healthy? Mm. It could be anything. And you don't have to write the answer down because we don't want to embarrass anybody, but we want you to think about it. And then we want to write down for yourself two realistic remedies for that health challenge. Mm -hmm. Again, not in the comments section. That's for you. And then we want you to try it this week. Just those two realistic remedies. The comment you're going to write for us at the end of the week, like next Friday and Saturday, is, yes, this helped. Or, no, I, 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 I still got my own way, but I'm going to try this. Whatever your experience has been. But what we're trying to do is to motivate you to take care of yourself, a little more self-care this week, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you feel, no, I want to write about it, go ahead. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to stop you, but whatever you're comfortable, but we're looking for you to say, I tried, and this was positive, or this was a challenge, and I'm going to do this much. Whatever works, we want to see those comments. Remember, go. one of those people, is going to wind up with a autographed copy of Blackjack, one of the Rapid Reads uh, books. That we wrote. got a stack, all yeah. signed. You can see uh, where Alex signed it. It just the the page glows a little more. You know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of glow, radioactive pen. Yes. Speaking of glowing. Speaking of highlight of the week. You know what time it is. You love it's it. You demanded it. And here it comes. It's time for the Alex Simmons Time Machine. Now, now, wait, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I know how you love this, Chris. I, I mean, it. I know it's like it's like candy at Halloween. Oh, you know what? I loved it so much. I skipped part two yeah, of our show. Yeah. So we it's got one more yet time for Alex Simmons. <laughs> Let's roll machine. back the time machine. <laughs> All right. Put the time machine on hold. Just yeah. let it warm up. Yeah. It's in the background. Just kind of. Hey, Alex. Yeah. What did you find? What did you check out this week that inspired you and that you want to offer as something you would share with the audience? Well, as, as many of you may know or should know or do know, um, a, a good portion of what I do involves young people, you know, uh, uh, instructing them, doing programs like Kids Comic Con and events like that for young people and families and things like that. And part of that is because, you know, I just, you know, I was a kid once and I remember what it was like for artists and writers and musicians and things to come to schools and do special programs. And the, the people that I met who were artists, 
you know, showing me how they did what they did and, and my thinking about the possibilities of my doing that one day. So I still remember that. But the other thing is through my schooling experience, both as a student and then later as an adult teaching after school programs and special arts programs, I ran into, you know, sometimes the fact that the educational bureaucracy doesn't necessarily serve the community as, as best it could or should. And sometimes we lose a lot of good teachers or teachers have to, they have to survive this. And so they somehow sort of build up a shell, not all, but oh. some, and, I've, and yeah. I've, I've been introduced to that. And I always feel sorry for the students who are in that circumstance. But this week in particular, um, I was really happy to meet, and now I'm going to have an opportunity to work with, two teachers of a school in uh, New York City who are their art teachers. And they really not only appreciate art for kids for the sake of the creativity and self-expression that children can enjoy through this, but also they understand that art in many forms can be supportive of education and educational pursuits. And so we're putting together a program that's going to last for a few weeks and it's going to benefit some middle school students, a, a large a portion of them. And I'm just really happy to meet these two teachers and see how enthusiastic they are, how committed they are, how passionate they are. Not about, oh, I got a job and I'm getting paid, or not about that I'm working in this really nice school in this decent neighborhood, or I'm working in a challenged area. They're passionate about serving the kids. It, it Everything matters for the kids. And it's it's like, well, how can we do the best possible program that's going to benefit the students so the students can go on and do better. And that is always a, a glorious a moment for me and a glorious experience for me to run into people in this very, very important position in life, to be an educator, to be a teacher, to be someone who not only do kids come to for the educational experience, but many teachers become role models for students. And how they present themselves will impact on the students and the experience those students have. So I'm very happy to have met these two wonderful teachers. And uh, at some point in space and time, maybe we'll have them on the show. That would be very cool. And, uh, you know, I, I'm never going to uh, say anything but the greatest things about teachers. I hear you. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's another episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, my check it out is uh, loosely connected. Also, uh, well, you know, there's a time in our life when we go to schools and are exposed to teachers and learn. And some of us, once we're out of school, we still hunger for learning. Mm -hmm. And I know you do, and I do as well. And I came across a book. Matter of fact, I may have mentioned it in passing at the year-end uh, episode, but I wanted oh, yeah. to bring it up again. Yeah, um, I know what she's going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've really had fun with it, and it's a big, thick book, so you get to read it for a while, then put it down and come back, and all that stuff. It's called "The Anatomy of Genre" mm. by John Truby. And um, it's really a useful exploration of genres in fiction. And most of us write genre fiction. Mm 
right? We may not, oh, yes, obviously, but that's, you know, even some of the best movies in the world, some of the best novels in the world, they're actually genre fiction, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, genre gets a, a bad knock, but more and more people are embracing it as this is legit and and it is it is what it is um it talks about what genre is breaks down the different genres the audience expectation of genres and it talks about the tropes for each of those genres Mm. and how to keep those fresh right best way to kill your story is to use a cliche or a trope that's been done to death and you do it the same way however That negative becomes a positive very quickly because if it's done to death, just do it in a different way, invert it, and then you have a fresh take on the trope and people are get their cake and eat it too. You know, you don't want to get your cake and then find that it's stale, right? You want to get your cake <laughs> and have it nice and fresh, ladies and gentlemen. So moist, yeah. <laughs> the anatomy of genre by John Truby, really worth your time. And I think you should check it out. Absolutely. Go. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that brings us, ladies and Now gentlemen. you can do it. <laughs> Some of you may not know what's about to happen. You may have no clue <laughs> from having listened to this entire episode. But it's time for excitement, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for us to open our minds. Lighten our souls, lengthen our lives by climbing onto Alex Simmons's time machine. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, uh, here he is, Alex Simmons. Alex, what do you have for us in your time machine today? Well, you know, um, I'm going to talk about uh, a story that had a great deal of impact on me for an interesting reason. Um, and it's it it has to do with a particular author and the made-for-TV movie version of his novel. Uh-huh. Truman Capote, who you may know that name, many sure. of you may know that name, that name, uh, wrote a novel called The Glass House. And um, I had not read the novel. This is this happened uh, years ago. As a matter of fact, I think I was about eighteen when I saw the made-for-TV movie. And the first thing that struck me about the film as it started out was, is, you know, the, the premise is that a, uh, we're going to see through the eyes of three different characters the brutal reality of prison life, okay? So it starts out with um, a scene in regular day, everyday event of uh, a man and his wife walking across a, a green, it might have been a park or something like that, and coming to the curb, and they start to cross the street. And this car comes careening by and hits the woman and kills her. And the driver's drunk. He gets out of the car and he comes back and he's being a, a jerk. And the husband is just distraught beyond reason. He's just so upset. The guy's being a jerk and the husband shoves the, the, the driver. The driver falls, hits his head and dies. So the husband winds up being arrested and going to prison. Wow. And in prison, he meets a young man who, in this time period, you got arrested with five joints, five marijuana cigarettes. You could wind up doing prison time. This is back in the in the eighties. So this and boy where it is prison. big tri- big prison yep, time. winds up in prison. So now the first thing is that the, the guy who plays the husband is Alan Alda. And may, many <laughs> people may know him from Mash, you know, as, as Hawkeye. 
And I would, recommend, I would remind lovable, you that quirky, you are in the time machine. Yeah, you get that lovable, <laughs> quirky kind of, you know, smart ass kind of guy. But now it's a different personality. He's vulnerable. He's he's completely off base, and he's in this environment which is the hostility of prison. Then you got this young boy, this who's like maybe nineteen, who's now in this hostile scenario in prison. And to make a long story short, the boy gets gang raped. Now I'm sitting there on a, I worked at, at the CBS broadcast center at the time, and I'm sitting there watching this made for TV movie on an evening uh, shift. And I had never, ever, ever been prepared for this because up until that point, ladies and gentlemen, as films from the 1940s forward had, you know, had depicted prison life. Yeah. You had to worry about getting, you know, beat up or stabbed, you know, shanked, you know, that sort of thing. But you had to be tough, you know, maybe you could survive it. Maybe if you get visits from the family, and all, that's all that I'd ever seen. I had never been introduced to the possibility of a, a male being raped. And this, I'm sitting there in this office by myself, and I was floored, I was absolutely floored. And it began to present to me you know, a number of possibilities in terms of how I looked at, at the brutality of that. Before, it had always been a word that had been associated with the terrible thing that men do to women. But now I was seeing another aspect of this and feeling vulnerable myself, which, you know, and one could laughingly say, well, I'm definitely not going to do anything that's going to get me you know, locked up in prison. But then again, as an African-American, <laughs> I got some chips I have to deal with that may have nothing to do with what I did wrong. Um, but the, the bottom line was this was a turning point in in television in the whole sense of what one could do on TV. Yeah. And it was, it the, was the very 70s? significant was that... to me to be suddenly made aware of this kind of brutal existence, but also to become aware of the fact that we are, we men are just as vulnerable as women in certain circumstances. And how would we deal with that? And it, it really caused me, and not that I'd never been sympathetic towards the other scenario, but it made me even more sensitive and more aware of what it is like to be that powerless and to be, you know, in that sort of circumstance. So I, I, I watched the film. I've never forgotten the scenes. I've never forgotten what happened further on in the movie. And it was, like I said, a turning point in terms of how uh, television chose to now deal with certain difficult social issues or incidents in life. Now, that was aired, I think, in the 70s, right? If I remember right, yes, it was. It would probably right, so, have been. It was, well, actually, let me let me just look that up while you're talking. Right. But my point, of course, is that in, at that time, in that decade, in that era, these things had not been discussed widely. So it was new territory uh, in 2023. Uh, the discussion has been. Uh, more normalized, more, uh, not the crime, of course, but the idea that uh, uh, people can be predatory on each other yep. and uh, sexually abuse each other uh, is, um, sadly, yep. much more, well, maybe it's not sad that it's much more 
uh, in our uh, consciousness, that we are aware that this happens and that we can act on it better now. Um, it's just sad that it still continues. It's terrible that it still yeah. continues, but it is, you know, if, if we put it in the context of the 70s, it was a very wake-up uh, moment. Um, so that if some of our younger audiences listening to this, you know, I wanted to put it in a little perspective mm -hmm. that, um, you know, you didn't come across this thought, you know, uh, January 2nd of 2023. This was in the 70s. And of course, you know, our education, our expanding of our mind and empathy, we would hope, continues, right? 1972, by the way. There you go. Yep. 72. Yep. Alan hmm. Alda, Vic Morrow, Clue Gallagher, Billy D. Williams. Wow. Yep. So, uh, again, to see how it was handled, it's worth checking out. I guess you could YouTube it or Google it and find where it's available. Um, you know, it's, uh, again, it's always fascinating. And Capote, uh, he was somebody who did break uh, boundaries of silence mm -hmm. and uh, glass ceilings. In, in his time, in his way, uh, that kind of allowed and helped form the uh, the more useful journalism, you know, that we have today. I don't want to go for what is the current cliche of, you know, uh, uh, partisan journalism. That's really not what uh, wasn't what we were talking about with this or with uh, Truman Capote. He was trying to have conversations that weren't um weren't being had you know right yeah, it and, wasn't uh, part of the general conversation you know at, at yeah. that time and again we, we we've talked about eras and how that affects story mm -hmm. uh, not only in terms of of how does it affect the storyteller but how it impacts on your story what era your tale takes place in so something taking place in the 70s, you know, there's going to be a number of things that someone writing that now might organically take for granted. But like something as simple as now we can grab a cell phone and call from almost anywhere to get help. Whereas in the 70s, you had phone booths. That's pretty much it. And if you were anywhere where there was no phone booth and nobody around you had a phone, you were up the creek. So yeah. it's, you know, it's definitely little things like that that can impact on you in, in terms of also the social consciousness of your audience or your characters at that time. Yeah. But anyway, so that that's the glass house. And, you know, if as Chris said, you can look it up um, online and see if it's still available. Yeah. Never know where you're going to go in Alex Simmons' time machine, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> now, we want to remind you that uh, we have a challenge for you. It's yep. a self-care challenge. You know, you want to ask yourself, what are you not currently doing to keep yourself healthy and then supply yourself with two realistic remedies? Realistic. Are you going to run the marathon? No. Are you going to take one a block, uh, a walk for one block? Maybe. Right. More realistic. Uh, and try and apply them this week. And then when it comes Friday or Saturday, we want you to come back here and let us know how it worked out. You don't have to go into any detail you're not comfortable with, but we do want to know, yes, I took action for myself. I took yep. a little more yep. self-care this week and I feel this, I feel that, this worked, I this didn't, whatever you feel comfortable with. And one of you 
is going to wind up with an autographed copy of one of our Blackjack adventures, ladies and gentlemen. Hot dog. Okay, so how do we get? How do you guys get in touch with us, or how do you find us on the web, Chris? Well, you can find me at uh, at Chris Ryan writes on Facebook. You can see Chris for Ryan author or even Chris Ryan. There's two different pages. Um, how about you, Alex? You can always find me at my website, which is Simmons Here and Now dot com. That's all spelled out. Simmons Here and Now dot com. Or on Instagram at Alex Simmons says. Boom. There you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, fantastic uh, seeing you this week. Or hopefully, uh, it's always fantastic seeing Alex. And hopefully you found it uh, interesting as well. Uh, we look forward to seeing you uh, next week. And until then, Alex, thanks a lot. Thank you, Chris. Take care, everybody. Peace, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.